And the only way that we get to that land of promise is through worship. And so, where, where it all begins with, though, is deciding where our worship is going to go towards. Our worship is where we, where we spend our time. Our worship is where our minds focus on. Our worship is what our words decide to give strength to. Because, because uh, the word says that your mouth and your words have power. Amen? That your words give life to the things that they say to. That, that God gave us authority in this earth. And because of our lack of awareness of that authority, we start to give strength to the things that may not even be God's plan over our lives. And so we gotta, first off, we've got to be mindful where our worship goes to. Is it going to be to our perspective or is our worship going to be to God and the promises He has before us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And so the antithesis of faith is our sight. And so if we start living by our sight and start living by our perspective, then how are we going to live in faith? How are we going to live in faith for the promise? How are we going to live in faith and worship of God who is greater than our own perspective and the things that we see? We start seeing uh, great men and great women of the Bible. When they start living by their sight, they start to lack faith. Because I was immediately reminded of the story of Elijah when he called fire down from heaven again by a posture of worship called fire down from heaven, turn this whole nation back to God. And all it took is one word from Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah said, oh crap, I'm out by God. <laughs> and it doesn't matter for Elijah, you would think that, dude, you just called fire from heaven. It literally ate whatever was on the altar and is gone, it's ash completely gone and you're afraid of Jezebel but it's easy to criticize Elijah when I know myself I've done exactly the same thing immediately coming out of this great season with God and and seeing his mighty hand and his power and his strength but the slightest inconvenience comes along and it absolutely floors me and that's all because that just for a moment I failed to keep my posture of worship And then all of a sudden, the walls of Jericho seemed massive again. And so, the que again, the question that we must first ask is, where is our worship going to go to each and every day? The second thing that I've noticed is the beginning of the battle of Jericho begun and ended with the posture of worship. Because at the very end of this chapter that we just read, or this passage we just read, it says, take off your sandals for your feet, from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And it's just, that's in the Old Testament, that's a posture of worship. It's when you remove your sandals or remove your shoes, that, that that's a place of holiness. That's when you go into a posture of worship. And so the beginning of Jericho, before they even went up to the wall and started marching around the walls, it began with worship. And so the first thing that the Israelites did when they came across a problem, they started to worship. And when it came down to the nitty gritty of it in time for battle, it began with worship. Because they blew the ram's horns and they started shouting and giving praises to Yahweh and giving praises to God. 
And because of that, walls immediately crumbled. The things that were insurmountable, the things that cannot be conquered, were conquered. The things that were not capable of being defeated by ordinary means were defeated. And because of that, they were able to walk right into the places that no one could ever touch or dream of. Because the Bible is not clear about how many times Jericho was sieged or how many times Jericho was attacked. But they must have had major battles if they had to create a wall that large. And because they have created a wall so large and they still existed means they have won every battle they have been through. And so it, that tells me it doesn't matter how many times we struggle with the same sin. It tells me it doesn't matter how many times we face the same problem. It tells me that no matter how many times that we have to face the same demons, that means that every time that we get ourselves in a posture of worship, we start saying, God, thank you for the little things that you've given me. Thank you for the food in my belly and thank you for the roof over my head. God, thank you for the family that I have and the experience that I've had with the family that's gone. God, thank you for everything that is before me and everything that you have uh, in the future. It's when we start having our posture of worship and reminding ourselves how great and how abundant and how mighty our God is that no matter how big or how large that demon is, it's going to have to come down. But how many of you all can say that it's hardly ever that easy? It's easy to say right now when we're in church and surrounded by our brothers and our sisters that can encourage us in the faith. They always have a word to, to say and a word to encourage us with. But how many of you guys know Satan doesn't attack you while you're here? He attacks you when you leave these doors. He waits till you're all alone in the dark and don't have anyone to turn to because it's midnight and you don't want to wake anybody up. He waits till you're half asleep because your mind isn't right. He waits till you are defenseless and starts attacking. So what do you do in that moment? You remember 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, therefore, again, when we are in a posture of worship, it's not a matter of our own strength and our own ability. It's all about how mighty and powerful our God is. And the weaker we are, the stronger and greater God's display will always be. And so, when it feels like we're alone, when it feels like we don't have the strength or we don't have the encouragement or we don't have the power to stand up to what it is that's facing us, then all we have to do is cry out, Abba, Father, help me. Because God will always prove Himself mighty. God is always looking for our weakness to make Himself made strong. And so when we feel like we're helpless and we feel like our backs are against the wall and we don't have any options and we don't have a place of escape, but we can see the promised land just on the other side, but we keep bashing our heads against the wall because it feels like what is in front of us can't move and all we have to do is start worshiping Him and in our weakness, He is made strong. 
And after we decide where our worship is going to, and when we get in a posture of worship and give that worship to God, then we start to find the freedom of worship. Because how many of you noticed that when we took a little bit longer than usual to worship today? How many of you all recognize whenever you take a moment to play some worship music in your car on your way to work or your way from work, you start to feel that freedom. You start to feel that weight that was on your back start to lift that you didn't know was there. You start to feel that happiness and that joy start to come inside of you. The worship I'm talking about is I've talked about before of living a life of worship, but today I'm talking about just taking a posture of worship to actually sit down and take a moment to sing a song to God, to take a moment and recognize how good God is, to take a moment and to honor how great, how mighty he is, how loving and how dear of a friend he is to us. When we take moments like that and recognize how great he is, how close of a friend he is, we start to feel that freedom and be able to march right into the land of promise that God has for us. If you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we start feeling the heaviness of this life, that's not the light yoke of Jesus. When we start being worn down by sadness and depression and anxiety, that's not the burden of Jesus. And so if it's not from Jesus, then why are we carrying it? Why are we holding on to it? Why are we trying to just make, make nice with it? Why are we trying to just live with it? When God says in Matthew 11 that is our, our yoke and our burden is supposed to be easy and light. We're supposed to live with joy. We're supposed to live with happiness. Does that mean that we're always going to be happy-go-lucky? No. Does that mean that we're not going to face Jericho? No. But that does mean that when we do come across to Jericho, we don't have to worry about it. We can say, my God is mightier. My God is stronger. My God cares about me too much to keep me from the land of promise that's just on the other side. So after this season of Thanksgiving and going into this season of Christmas, it's going to be plenty of opportunity to be stressed out, to be burnt out, to be worried. And when, act, when Christmas actually comes, the, joy, the time it's supposed to be happy and joyful, feels like nothing but stress. And we find ourselves just saying, man, I'm so glad when this is going to be over. That's not supposed to be our posture on Christmas, let alone any day. We're not supposed to be just surviving. We're not supposed to be just saying, I hope I can just make it through today. Will there be days like that? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's God's design for us. God never intended for us to, to flee Jezebel. God never intended us to do things in our own strength. God always designed us to be dependent upon him. I'm 23 years old, and the, each year that I, I start to learn more and more that I was never meant to do this life on my own. That, that's part of our, that's our motto here at One Life Church. We do life together. That there are things that I'm wildly inexperienced in that I need help from my father. 
I need help from Chris. I need help from Tom. I need help with other things just around the house. These are just, just everyday, everyday things that I need help with. But also spiritually, I need other people's help. There's people who have vastly more wisdom than I do in this life. I go to them for help. We were never meant to do this life alone. It wasn't just Joshua that marched around Jericho. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just any of the Israelites that marched around Jericho. It took the whole community to march around Jericho. And so we talk, I've been talking about the individual things in our lives, but there's things in our community, there's things in our, our region, there's things in this state that needs marched around. There's things that need a posture of worship for them to come down. Because I don't believe West Virginia was supposed to be the poorest state in our country. I don't believe that West Virginia was supposed to have three times to four times the national overdose average in the country. I don't believe that you guys or any of us were supposed to live with a downtrodden and desperate life. I believe that God always intended us to live in the place of promise. And just like you'll read in the book of Joshua, every time they went into battle, Judah led the charge. And Judah is the tribe of worship. So every battle that we go into, every struggle that we face, everything that's in West Virginia and everything that's in your own life is supposed to be tackled with the posture of worship. Worship is throwing off the burdens of this life and truly embracing all the promises that God has for us. Worship is getting down on our knees and singing a song or truly just praying our heart to God. Worship is embracing all that God has for us and not being scared of Jericho, not being scared of Jezebel, not being scared of the things before us, but truly running to God first and primary above all other things and truly living this life with joy and everything that God has for us. And so, Amy, I'm wrapping up here if you want to help me. And so I know... I know today's message was fairly simple, but it never hurts to go over the basics. The reason why I titled today's sermon The Weight of Worship is because for us, the weight of worship is very light, just as we read about in Matthew. The weight of worship is very minute because all it, all it costs us is a little bit of time on our knees and a little bit of time in our cars and a little bit of extra time just to love on God for a little bit. But when it comes to Jericho's walls, the weight is insurmountable for it. When we worship, the weight of worship starts bringing down those walls. When we worship the weight of that starts breaking open the prison doors, just like it did for Paul and Silas. When we start to worship, the weight is so insurmountable for our enemy, I can't even hope to stand. And so we start marching right through the problem that was holding us back and just step right into the land of promise without a hindrance. And so as the worship team sings today, and as they help me close, that's what this altar is for today. There may be something on your heart for, 
There may be something on your heart for West Virginia. There may be something on your heart for your family or your relatives or even in your own life. But that's what this altar is for today, is for you to bring that to God in worship. For us to say, God, I'm not asking you to come to my side anymore and make this thing easy. But what I'm going to do is step over to your side now and do whatever it is that you command me and order me to do. No matter how silly it is, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how much it doesn't make sense, I'm coming to your side today. And so that's what this altar is for. As they worship, I, I encourage you guys to come up here. There's something powerful about coming out of your seat. I know it sounds old school, but there's something powerful about coming out of your pew and taking a step over to this altar. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing special about it besides us physically saying, God, I'm stepping towards what you want me to step towards.